On this week's episode of GameSpot After Dark, Rob Hanley, Kurt Indovina, and Michael Hyam join me to talk about our 2020 Game of the Year, Half-Life Alex. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of GameSpot After Dark. This is a special episode because as of now, GameSpot has revealed its 2020 Game of the Year, and that is Half-Life Alex. If I thought this through, we probably should have done this episode last week because we actually named our goatee, I think, on Friday or Thursday, and it would have yeah, lined up. Yeah, it was Thursday. Yeah. That would have been really nice, but I didn't think that far ahead. So it's here we are, week after Christmas Day. Is when people are listening to this. Oh wow! Merry Christmas, yeah. everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. But anyways, joining me to talk about Half Life, Alex, is Kurt and Davina. Greetings, hello. Michael Hyam. Hey, what to do? And Rob Handlery. Hi. So some people may have already heard Michael. Kurt and myself talk about Half-Life Alex because we put out a video talking about why it was GameSpot's game of the year. But Rob also is a big fan of Half-Life Alex and mm-hmm. he edited the video. He wasn't on the video. So we're going to have a chance to dig into Rob's thoughts. But I guess for all intents and purposes, this is mostly just going to be a big discussion about why we really enjoy this game. We will get into spoilers at the end, but we'll make that very clear. So if you still plan on playing Alex. If you don't want to know any spoilers, we'll make that clear so you can skip Mm -hmm. ahead or just log out, listen to a different episode, whatever it might be. But before we really get into it, uh, we do have a question from Maria here from uh, on the discord. Normally we'd save questions for the end, but I think it'd be good to start with this. Uh, Their question is how did you find Goatee deliberations this year? Was it easier or harder to make the selections remotely? So, I don't think we should get too deep into how it worked remotely, but I think it's worth at least setting up how game of the year deliberations work at GameSpot and how we landed on Half-Life Alex, because I'm sure every website out there has a different process, but basically ours is everyone on the content team submits their top 10. Those are all tallied up. There's a formula that Randy has the keys to Randy's the editor in chief, and he kind of, tallies it up, and then we're given a list in terms of votes. But obviously, Game of the Year isn't the most popular game that was played that year. Uh, It's There's a lot more to it than that. That's just more of a jumping off point. And then we all get together. Normally, it's in a room, uh, and we spend hours and hours and hours in that room together debating these games. But this time, it was over Zoom, of course. And from there, basically, we go through a lot of these games, decide what is going to be in our top 10, and then from there, we decide on a game of the year. Now, it's worth noting that when we do this, we try not to say why a game shouldn't be nominated or why a game shouldn't be game of the year. We try to focus on the positives, so why a game should be in our top 10, why a game should be game of the year. And we do this because, I I, I don't know, it's just not super, it's not very... I don't know. It's not a good use of anyone's time to sit there and yeah. just start like shitting on games that they didn't like. It should be more positive, uplifting. Uh, but for Half-Life in particular, it was a little interesting because it, it was definitely not one of the more popular picks, but the people who had voted for it had it very high. Um, and that really shown through yeah. that really showed through on the arguments ultimately. And it's why 
Half-Life Alex kind of barely edged out the other games and became our game of the year. I don't know if there's anything you guys want to add to that because I just sped uh, through that week yeah. month long process very quickly. <laughs> that's that, that's not a bad way to put it. But one thing I will say about uh, doing if um, doing it through Zoom, I think, because uh, Maria asks uh, a little bit about uh, doing it remotely, was that Zoom does have some pretty good tools to keep things organized. Because every year it was like it was either Randy or Peter or Tam that would organize things in the room, and it is a little bit harder to kind of organize things in person because uh just like the the fluid nature of it but uh in terms of like having people speak there's like a raise hand function in zoom uh if we want to tally up votes instead of raising your hand and like trying to count uh physically there's a up and there's a there's a green and there's a there's a red marker that you can uh, put next to your name in zoom so in a way i do feel like the way our deliberations are built kind of Zoom did benefit or we benefited from having Zoom's tools to keep that organized because, you know, these things can get pretty wild and organized, disorganized. But I I feel like Randy and Tam always do a good job of like keeping everyone on track because it's not easy to keep like 30 people's opinions like intact and all that other stuff. So, uh, yeah, Rob, you can probably speak to this better, but. In the five years, or I think the six deliberations I've been to, each one has gotten more organized and more fluid. Like, I remember when I first started, it was just like a shouting match in a room. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, first, the first few, yeah. I mean, I've I've done, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I've been around for maybe seven-ish years. The first two years, it's kind of like how anyone goes, where, like, you just kind of button up your lip because you're not one of the crew. You know what I mean? You're not... Are you going to? I don't think I said a word. Yeah, like I, no. I got, I got hired in like November. You think my dumbass is going to be like interjecting for Grand Theft Auto Five? Uh, like, I actually no, I actually I don't, even, I don't even think that first year I was even allowed in deliberations. Oh I think. wow, yeah, wow. I, I actually think it was that more uptight. Um, which makes sense. Like, who's this new guy? Get the hell out of here, dude! Hey, hey man, I was a new guy last year, and I was allowed in deliberations, and I spoke very passionately about. I mean, well, but that's the point is that it's changed. It's changed yeah. drastically. And I think, uh, to, well, no, to what Michael was saying, which, which makes me think about it was last year, I would argue wasn't too far off from this year in the mm-hmm. sense that we, <laughs> we were already losing rooms. <laughs> so we were in that chow studio, which was very small. Like normally we have a bit more of a, a luxurious like a meeting room an actual proper meeting room meeting room for, for whatever reason we didn't have it uh <laughs> but no but last year we had more people on a zoom call and this was all pre-covid oh, obviously and it made me actually think about how we were kind of already on that path with zoom and allowing mm-hmm. for a raise your hand method it was yeah. almost already there so it felt more uh in tune with this year but as jake was pointing out yeah like the, the prior years were batshit crazy like i already feel like even between these the two deliberations i've done like they were organized but there was some conviction and like excitement and passion from so many people i can't imagine like if that was just the wild west of, yeah i can't even imagine now, now i think about it this was this was my fifth year I've been in deliberations, uh, which is pretty wild to think about. But I remember 2016 like it was yesterday, man. Because like you mentioned, I I was hired in November of 2016, so I busted up in there with a month and a half of experience, and I was like, "Listen, y'all, Hitman Two is fucking goldy. I don't give a fuck what any y'all motherfuckers say right here." And I was 
yo, I was I was busting shots out there. I was like, listen, quadrilateral cowboy is the shit. I don't give mm, y'all hyperlight drifter. Mm, listen, y'all don't listen to me. And then <laughs> I remember, I remember Mary. I think Mary told me was like, "Yo, you was spitting flames out there, but at some, <laughs> some you need to relax at some point." <laughs> I was like, "All right, yeah, yeah." yeah. The the what I, to end on that of just like in the past, the one that was just ridiculous was when it was let's rate. Sorry, excuse me. Let's rank twenty five games. Yep. <laughs> that was the year. Yep, <laughs> you were there for that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That yeah. was that was the shit where it was like we're going to start killing each other at the end for real. Like I remember the one hang up where I, you just start kind of second guessing yourself where it's like, are we really trying to compare? What was it? The one I always remember was um, it was like horizon horizon, Forza horizon two, three Forza horizon two or three versus um, fuck. What was like the other game? Final fantasy 15 or something. Whatever it was, where you just go, how, how, I mean, or like you know, Rocket League versus was, Metal Gear Solid yeah, Five. I yeah, remember being hung up on for a long time. I remember I actually rewatched a bunch of the Game of the Year content recently, like getting up, getting ready for this one. And I remember going back to 2015 and seeing conversation between like Daniel Dwyer and Peter, and I forget who else. Was so dramatic about Witcher, the Witcher Three, Rocket League. <laughs> Metal Gear Gear Solid 5 but the big thing was like them talking about Rocket League and Metal Gear Um, and even like Peter I remember getting in that particular video was like almost like starting off on a very defensive note and I was like what happened in deliberations between these two games (laughs) that there's a lot of deliberation war stories we should probably move on for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, so return to Half-Life Alex why don't we start with platforms and how we're able to play this game what our setup looked like because I think that is something you kind of have to dive into first when it comes to this game, because the experience can maybe not why maybe it's not widely different, but it can vary depending on mm-hmm. what your setup's looking like. Michael, do you want to start with that? Sure. I think that um, my setup was wild for this game because I was reviewing it. So I reviewed Half-Life Alex uh, for GameSpot. And the day I started playing was the day we shut down the office. Whoa. And we had the we had the valve index set up in the speed zone, so it was like it was like an eight by eight, like big space to do room scale. So I was like ducking and diving and uh, walking around and stuff. And yeah, that was the day uh, because I remember I was trying, I was stuck on a pu- on a puzzle wherever we had to look at like the different um, the different drawings on the wall early on in the game to like figure out like the the solution to the puzzle or some shit uh, and. Yeah, so I was playing like that for a little while, uh, but we had to pack up the office that day. So I basically took all the all the index shit home. But when I got home, well, I, I lived in a small apartment. I still kind of do. Uh, so I had to like switch things up real fast. So I ended up playing in front of my computer, which was like a small three by three space, even if that. Uh, and I had to play the whole game seated. So the thing about that is... Uh, and we'll probably touch on this later too, is that the way in which Half-Life Alex can accommodate different play styles is probably the, the best that we've seen from a VR game so far. Uh, so even though I got the the kind of room scale standing experience in the office for a little while, I had to play the rest of the game seated. Uh, and it was perfectly fine because the game is designed in a way to where you don't miss out uh, I mean, you you miss out on like, I guess, physically ducking behind things or reaching out to grab certain things. But uh, the game is just really good about accounting for all those differences without leaving out things that you need to do to be successful in the game. 
uh, so I, I mostly played for review. I played it seated, um, which is, uh, I mean, it's fine. I also have like a physical limitation too. Like I can't stand in one spot for too long. Uh, I have like this thing called lymphedema. So uh, I actually didn't mind that because I wouldn't have been standing for hours anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's so I, I played on index though. So that is one thing that I think is different between uh, other people's like not everyone has an index because that's just expensive. Uh, thankfully, we had an office one, which is what I used. Uh, but um, it was the best visual experience as possible at the time. Uh, so that's uh, I don't know how, how I ended up playing the game. Rob, how about you? Gosh, I bought a Oculus Quest 2 with the sole intention of playing Star Wars Squadrons and Flight Simulator. I mean, I knew Flight Simulator wasn't going to kick off with VR, but it was like, dude, I just need a headset. Because I had already made an investment in a um, Warthog uh, Thrust Master Hottest (laughs) joystick. Uh, I was going all in. And then it just came to my understanding that like, I I didn't know Oculus uh, had support with steam games and that's when i was like mm-hmm. opening up a whole can of worms so i was like oh shit i can play this this game that i've been hearing so much about and booted it up and therein just completely hit me by storm like an, an experience and to what uh michael was saying which was interesting like i i think what was blowing me away was how like i mean you guys obviously are looking at my zoom call but and i've talked about this in our deliberations but like i was surprised about like i didn't need to have the infamous space needed for vive in your living room you know what i mean by like (laughs) like like eight by eight floor space get your dogs and cats out of (laughs) here like (laughs) i had i had an area that i was surprised i could do standing um the only the only hiccup I had where I and by the way to preface all this too is I built a PC uh, during this year um, with a uh, now a, a twenty seventy thanks to you Michael Hyam hey, <laughs> because I the you, office I uh, stole that anyways what I'm getting at is is I built a PC for it <laughs> and uh, the hang up I had in this small area was the um, uh, what do you call it the Guardian uh, for you you know familiar terms with the Oculus. Quest 2 is like the guardian um uh what do you call them like boundaries yeah the boundaries yeah they kept becoming so visible and i maybe there's a way you can kind of like minimize them because i know my space but they kept always popping up my point being i was like fuck this i just need to get a better experience and i don't want to see them so i moved my setup into my living room and then they're on out finish the game standing up um and then to I guess we'll maybe get into it later, but like to to preface um, or, or sorry so to end my thought was just like how I'm blown away that you could play this game sitting down with one controller. Like that mm-hmm. was something I didn't really think about because I completely was invested in standing up and and having that full immersion because a lot of the game I think is um, exponentially. Uh, uh, impressive with like catching stuff and we have other you know uh, personal experiences to talk about but anyways I'm just getting at like I thought that was like the best way to play it was standing up but I also think it's fascinating that other people could play it in different ways and I found that out later um, but yeah uh, that was my setup I found it okay for the most part uh, I bought a connector cable f- <laughs> um, that was um, not 
one-to-one with i think what oculus was recommending like they have like their own like first party cable um that's like never on sale (laughs) right so i i found one that peter brown recommended and it it was a great experience dude all in all um i'm rambling at this point but um yeah hell of a game (laughs) kurt how about you what was your setup like everyone has such a i love that everyone has a their own distinct experience of physically playing it opposed to the actual idea yeah, it's very different it. from any other game in that sense right yeah we all have to go around the circle be like well did you play it sitting down were you laying down were you like were you, were you able to jump actually i don't know I, I never tried jumping in this game physically jumping anyways um so i live in a studio apartment and uh that in of itself i've had to get like super creative over this um the great core as as rob has referred to it um <laughs> but I live in a studio and I'm lucky enough in which like we've set the apartment up in such a way that we have uh, the couches in the center of the room. And then we have like a console table separating kind of like the, like the chill entertainment spot to the kitchen table and where that's essentially my desk. Um, but I played a standing up and in that little, like in that area on the other side of the sofa, it's facing the TV um, with the Vive and one of like, I don't even, I, I'm so ignorant when it comes to a lot of computer stuff, but it was just like the Alienware that came from work, basically. Um, and I, it was fine. I, I can't articulate any problems that I came up with because I didn't really experience any at all. Like the biggest hurdle was actually setting up the sensors for the Vive. Uh, but lucky enough, I have wall shelves. So I just, set them on that and we were good like all was well so i played the entire thing standing up ducking and weaving dodging and punching and definitely throwing my fist into a wall and if you watch the conversation on why we talk about uh this game is game of the year there's actually photos of the marks that i've left on the wall um and if you want to talk about like already being scared to the bone (laughs) that game every single time something frightening happens to me like it would i have a full body reaction i'm pathetic i know but i would punch the wall every single time (laughs) (laughs) and juliana dude like uh she would come up behind me like while i was just like tinkering away or like oh no and like she would like poke me and i would flip the fuck out (laughs) i just absolutely lose my mind um anyways i had a great time it was good i had a like aside from punching my wall a couple times like that was my own fault. Just to segue on that note, there is something to be said about like having a callus, I will call it, for VR and and knowing like I've Kurt, I've told you stories and others about I brought the Vive, the first Vive home to my grandparents. And oddly enough, the reaction I got out of my grand my granddad, who is now 92, Ooh. was was surprisingly complicit like he was just like yeah this is cool whatever but when i gave it to (laughs) my um this was when my my sister was married like like uh she got married like four years ago and i gave it to um my like brother-in-law who was like 40 years old and it like played casually games and we did that like walk the plank oh god that thing destroyed me and when my sister did it prior to like me showing every one of my siblings and family members my sister was doing it and i pushed her a little bit and she freaked out and then vice versa my, my sister thought it was really funny to do it to this 40 year old who had casually played beauty games he lost his shit and hurt himself like busted his head slightly wow what I'm, get, 
he fell down because it was just what I'm getting at is like there is a level of callous where like you just got to keep playing VR a bit and and know your limitations, I think, which is part of where I think you also want to consider um, stomaching and and uh, dealing with motion sickness. Like I yeah. started off really having or not like severe as, as other people have, but like. I've gone to the point where like what I was putting it on, I, I could do like multiple hours and Michael, I'm sure you could go on and talk about like how you were feeling with, with symptoms like that. Yeah. I also trained myself to close my eyes when I was getting scared. <laughs> There's a lot of times where like head crabs could have flying at me and I would just go ballistic in like in reality, like I would physically start wailing and freaking about. And it got to the point where I was like, my neighbors are going to call the cops and like, I need to learn how to deal with this. And I started getting to the point where like, if I anticipate something scary was going to happen that I couldn't get out of, I just would shut my eyes and let it happen. <laughs> and that's how I've been. That's how I dealt with a lot of VR uh, throughout Alex. But yeah. Well, I played with a Quest 1. Uh, I now have a Quest 2. I haven't tried much Alex with that. But yeah, my experience was probably very similar to Rob's and that I used Oculus Link. Uh, I mostly played sitting down, but occasionally I would push the bed to the other side of the room and give myself a little extra space. I also wasn't using one of the official Oculus Link cables. So like the length was probably shorter than what you would have gotten otherwise, which is kind of a bummer. It would have been nice to have a little bit more space. But a lot of that stuff isn't the game's fault. It's more that Oculus wasn't selling the cable that they told people to buy for their thing. Uh, but that being said, yeah, like once I got things going and once I did, I guess, build up that VR callus, which I did kind of already have because I had played a lot of VR on my quest beforehand. But once I got used to like spending extended durations in that world, I, I was able to, to to flow with it a little bit more. Because mm -hmm. I will say when I started, you, you know, wearing that headset can feel strange for a long time because you start to get a headache. It pulls on the back of your head if it's not. Yeah, my scalp felt real weird the, the first couple yeah. days doing it. Uh, I want to start with Michael, actually, because you reviewed Half-Life, Alex. You played it back when it launched, uh, which mm -hmm. is something that neither of us or the, the rest of us didn't do. I played it a little bit after launch and then Rob and Kurt, you guys played it most recently. Uh, but Michael, why don't you recap your review? Like what it was like yeah. to play, not only play, but review a Half-Life <laughs> game. Yeah, it, it was, it was pretty wild to think like, cause I, I, I mentioned this a lot is that after 13 years for a franchise as renowned as Half-Life and everyone makes the Half-Life three jokes, they've been doing it for 13 years. Obviously, Half-Life Alex isn't Half-Life 3, but, you know, this is the first time we're seeing this, like, it's this franchise had gone dark for over a decade. Uh, so it's kind of like the surreal experience where Kali was like, hey, listen, you're going to be the one to review this thing. Also, I was in the middle of reviewing Persona 5 Royal at the same time. Um, yeah. So it was it was just kind of a lot. But I, I, I barreled down and focused on Half-Life because I knew that the first the embargo was that embargo was more important uh i think uh for me and just like the, the the gravity of of playing valve's first game in vr as well there's just like a lot of i wouldn't say there was pressure but it was just kind of like once I, all those things settled in i was like wow this is this is going to be a wild experience not just playing the game before everyone else but also representing the opinion on GameSpot. uh because i remember i think it was like what was it jason ocampo or was it 
no, or Kevin Van, or someone who the last person who reviewed a Half Life game back in 2007. I was like, oh shit, this is this is kind of wild. Like carrying on that legacy, I guess. Um, but I, I had that experience because, like, I've been with Half Life since the f- first time I got a PC. Um, so I, I knew what I was getting myself into, and I, I kind of understand Valve's de- design philosophies and. Uh, how they design environments, what the things I should be looking for if I get stuck. Cause there were moments when, in which I got stuck and like, I didn't trip out too much. Cause it's like, I, I know how these, how they do these things. Uh, and then when you find the solutions to those, especially without a guide, I couldn't hit anyone up uh, about what to do. Cause I don't think, I don't think anyone else, Jean-Luc was playing too, but a couple days after I had started. So I couldn't wait for him to be like, Oh, did you figure out what to do here? So I was basically on my own. Um, but I think that that also feeds into why Half-Life Alex was so satisfying is because when you find those solutions, they'll, those are your accomplishments. Because like I say in everything I write about, it's like there's no waypoints, there's no hints, there's no HUD, there's no quest markers. Um, there's no like NPCs be like, hey, hey well, what do I do? Can I recap the things that I'm looking at? Nah, man, you just you got to analyze the environment a lot. And I think uh, that's the way to experience it. I would say like, yeah, don't don't go into this with the guide because that that's probably one of the more that's the, one of the more rewarding things about a Half Life game is how you figure out uh, to how how you figure out how to progress. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like in my in my experience with the game, I was I had realized that all of the VR concepts that I've seen since 2016 were all coming into place as a cohesive whole, uh, which I also say in my review and in the the look back that we that I wrote up for this announcement. Um, but you don't realize how valuable it is until you like you take off your headset uh, because like every VR game before has been like, I'm doing this thing in VR. And Kurt said it best too in the deliberations where it doesn't feel like I'm playing a VR game. It just feels like I'm playing a game uh, because that's how that's how seamless each of the elements are into this game. So that's the that was like the thing that stood out to me when I was playing this game. Um, but I was also curious as to like where it's going because the whole time... <sighs> Like you play as Alex, and she's she's a fascinating character, uh, and you're also you're always chasing that that big ass vault that's in the sky. Uh, but you always I want the answers. I was like curious. Okay, like this game is great. I see all the all its everything that is doing really well. But what's the thing that's gonna wrap this thing together? Like, because I don't want it to end up being just a VR game in the Half Life universe. Even as as great as all of its parts are. Like what? What's the um, how's this going to feed into the universe? Because I think a lot of longtime fans, that's what we're craving, um, or those who are invested in the the story of Half Life. Uh, that's that's the thing that we probably crave the most. Is like what what is happening in this universe that we've we haven't seen in so long. Um, so that's why that's why I always say that the the ending is what ties it all together, or the last few chapters is when it when everything starts to fall into place, and that's when the game kind of transcends its its VR capabilities. Like all that is great, but once you make it to the end, is like not only is it giving you the answers as to why this game exists, but it, it also makes the I would say almost perfect or the the best possible imagined VR experience where the the very concept of VR is what makes the final chapters so impactful. Like I, I keep thinking, or when these reviews went out and folks were like, yeah, but just make it in keyboard and mouse, make it a regular PC game. I'm like, no, 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 no. This doesn't hit. N- none of it hits if it's not VR. Like, trust me on that. I, I don't want to say why, 
but just trust me on that. Like it was, it was a, it was an emotional experience. I was like, fucking yo, just the concept of what you can do with your hands is just, uh, that it sold me on that point. Cause I was like, how, how do I score this thing? Like, where, where do I stand on it? But then in the, those final moments, it's like, yo, this is the one, this is it. And I, I just messaged, I also, I was playing with Chloe, uh, so, and also Eric Sapp over at IGN, I was DMing them and I was like, yo, yo, did y'all finish this? Did you, did y'all finish this? I'm not tripping, right? I'm not tripping. We're just basically going back and forth like, yo, yo, this moment, yo, yo. Um, and like that, that kind of excitement really like, this is probably one of the most, uh, I won't say easy, but it was, it was an exciting review to write. Because sometimes you get a review and you're like, damn, how am I going to wrap all of my thoughts into this? But I went into Half-Life. Alex, like, I got, I got some shit to spit. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to spit some flames right now, man. Because um, that's how exciting. That's how exciting this experience was. Not just like, it's Half-Life. It's the best VR game ever. But it's also the answers that the game gives you. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, Kurt, so I want to take it to you. Because one thing you also brought up in the deliberations was was just this game's a testament to like really excellent game design uh do you want to expand on that a little bit and talk about just just the valve's game design philosophy and why it works so well in vr so like it's one thing like so i did a write-up for uh like why this why half-life alex was my game of the year um, and like one of the, like the thing, I think really similar to Michael, like there was a moment halfway through that game, maybe even before that, where I kind of, where I was like, I'm enjoying this. I'm having experience, like an experience that like I have not had before, but there was kind of like, um, a moment of like, I'm still playing a half-life game. And there wasn't that like thing that tipped me over. And I kind of was like in my write-up, I kind of started off with like on paper, like VR aside, um, Half-Life Alex is really familiar. It's, 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 you've seen city 17. Like, you know, Alex is a character. We've seen this world. We've seen combines. We've, we've fought these enemies. And, but at the same, and it, along the way, it has like this, um, it almost has like this confident simplicity. And after like, while playing Alex and like halfway through it, it kind of got to this point where I, I, I wasn't, I had, I played a lot of good games this year, but I didn't have like an overwhelming amount of passion for them. And like when I was playing Alex, I just was so engrossed and so excited. And it was like, it was almost hard to articulate at times, but I think I started narrowing it down when I started looking at other games this year that I did enjoy, but you know, that for some reason didn't capture me the same way. And like a big thing is like, it was so good (laughs) to play a game that didn't rely on an open world that didn't rely on a, a a never ending to-do list of quests that didn't rely on skill trees and NPCs and all of these things that more or less bloat games. They make you know, there there's things I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying like, when you take a look at so many games that came out this year, there are these massive open world, pretty much RPGs um, that just kind of, open this wide sea of things for you to do. And you kind of like, I almost call it like a Stockholm syndrome. Like you get to the point where you're just like, you're so engrossed and so involved that like, even if you wanted to stop playing a game, you just can't because there's so much shit to do. And it was playing a game like half, like like, like half five Alex VR aside. It was just so damn refreshing to play a game that didn't patronize me and made me feel like a genius without ever telling me how to do anything. 
And like that was, and I think that's a big part of Valve's philosophy and replaying Half-Life 2 and even Half-Life 1 after replay, after playing Half-Life Alex, those games, like these are the, the, the things that made them remarkable is their ability to give you a story, to give you a game without ever taking it away from you, your perspective, their first person games. There's no cutscenes. Like you are in those cutscenes. You are talking to those characters. When you're given the gravity gun, you're not told like, press this button to do this or to do that. Like go mm-hmm. through this tutorial. It's like, it's like, Hey, let's go play with dog. And like, let's go mess with these things. And like, th- it's those experiences that uh, enable the player to use their genuine curiosity and imagination and want to explore and experiment. And that's how the game teaches you. And that's how Half-Life Alex from start to finish teaches you. Like the game opens up and you're standing on a balcony and you have like pots and cans and like this radio to mess with and like all these switches. And mark it over. Exactly. <laughs> and then you have, and then you have the markers and the marker scene is the big thing for me that I think is probably one of the most important, me personally, like one of the most important game scenes in game development that I've seen in this, this year and for a long time where you're able to pick this marker up and draw on a window. And it's like this intuitive instinctual thing that you don't need to be told how to do. You just see a marker, you pick it up. Can I draw with it? Fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> and like, it's one of those things where like that moment conditions you for the rest of the game. Like it, it immediately, it develops, immediately lays the, the, the foundation for the language for everything you're about to do from that point forward. So for me, a, a big thing with Half-Life Alex was its ability to be that it is simple in the, in the sense that it's a point A to point B game. You just like, you're just on one linear path over the span of 15 hours from like day to night, but it's that simplicity and that ability to push you as a player that I think is a stroke of Valve's brilliance as game designers. Um, So, yeah. I think one thing that you said that kind of stood out to me was how you mentioned uh, skill trees and stuff like that and how that's in every game. Imagine if this wasn't developed by Valve, it'd be like, all right, now unlock the skill tree to like catch a grenade midair. God. And it's like, no, it's not <laughs> no, a thing. No. It's just. And like, and, that, and there is upgrade systems, you know, like you do upgrade your weapons throughout it. But to me, those didn't feel like a, like something that it didn't feel like a barrier to your ability to play the game. It just was, you could go the, the entire game without ever upgrading your guns. Um, those are just things that heighten, you know, that, that, that make that experience all the much more, I don't know, streamlined or uh, I don't know how to say it. They just, it's just, it's not like certain games where, like you said, like there's a barrier in which like, oh, I need to unlock this ability to catch a grenade or unlock this ability to like use a chair and knock a head crab out a window. Um, that, but like, that's the skill tree. The skill tree is, brain. That's, <laughs> is your brain getting accustomed to physics in the game. <laughs> That's the underlying skill trees connecting. No, straight up. Like we talked about it so much where it's like in, in deliberations and on the side is the moment which in turn makes it so monumental uh, alongside the panic induced stress of trying to reload a gun yes, yes. when there is a head crab in the dark and your your flashlight is tied to your left hand, meaning the second you, you you go to load a gun, you you Your are no <laughs> you are no longer looking in front of you. Like those are those moments, and that's the progression, in my opinion. Because like you said it too, Kurt. Like you eventually get to the point where it's like, man, I feel like fucking John Wick right now. Yeah, like dude. I can reload this shit. Yeah. Imagine the first time loading what it was like loading your gun in that game compared to the very end of that game or right. you know like or being tossed into that pit to get the flashlight and you're in the dark fighting these head crabs and how bumbling and scared you are to the point at the end of the game where you're fighting 
tons of those dudes at once and you're throwing, you're catching grenades, you're throwing them in the air, you're reloading yeah. your gun. Like it's like exactly like you're trying to like, Yeah. And like, you just, you just don't need the, the what I heard earlier. Yeah. I, I totally agree with is the bloating of systems. Like that's why I kind of want to play it again is I kind of want to devote uh, the resin into different areas and, and to focus on different upgrades with different, with these, th- even though it's three different weapons, like, how cool would it be to go all in on a shotgun or the first pistol? Yeah, like, oh, that's interesting because I totally didn't feel like that. I feel like, yo, my shotgun's my last resort. I just need the precision and I need that pistol ready to go at every point. Um, I, I just think it's neat that it's, it, you just got that one tree of just like focus on your weapons and that's all you need. Uh, the one other thing I would want to chime into is I, I think uh, when we talk about um, and I think this came up in deliberations for me, at least is having played a lot of VR games is there's a lot of gimmicks that are associated with VR and why this game is so special is that it's so it just insanely ties everything together. That is a ac- accumulation of just lessons learned throughout the years of VR. We're like, yet it's not a crutch by any means, but this game all takes place in one day. But because it's so seamless and because you get through these quote-unquote gimmicks, and I'm talking about everything from, you know, as we say, like reloading a gun into a firefight, and now you're doing a puzzle, and now it's a story time, you know. <laughs> story time. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so sli- it's such a slight, but it's not that. What I mean is just a narrative part of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything is like locking of hands where you don't know it's happening until it's done. Like mm-hmm. until you get into, until it ends and then you go, oh shit, that was kind of a tutorial and I didn't even yeah. know it happened. Yep. That's the beauty of this game where, and I want to compare it, unfortunately, to a, a VR game called uh, Iron Man VR where like <laughs> there are, I liked it and it had really f- like, and this was like, I, I want to say for a year or two, this game was hyped where it was like, wow, you really feel like Iron Man. You fly around. That shit is fucking cool. It is a cool experience. However, it is unfortunately loaded with these tutorial missions where you're just or, or, not tutorial missions, excuse me, narr- like, like, um, narrative, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, just tutorialized moments, but also just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? God damn it. Like set pieces, set pieces, maybe? uh, just, just narration and storytelling. And it's, it's on pause. Everything you are doing is on pause now. now With a VR are- game, being on pause is not fun. <laughs> just standing. Not. It's not. And and you're just you just have to have these moments of like, get me through the dialogue, get me through all of this instruction to get back into it. And that's the seamless nature of Half-Life VR. Is it's all one to one, just keeps you in the moment, and it's it's truly brilliant. Um, but that yeah. that's that's actually something Matt Paget had brought up in his Medal of Honor review. Was he saying like whenever there's story stuff, he got bored and just started like firing his guns in the air, and of course <laughs> no one cared and whatnot, and just messing around. And as I was reading that, I was like, man, I did not do that at all in Alex. Like I, I, I part of that is what you guys are saying and how like all of that kind of is so interweaved. Like you're not jumping around different parts of the city and like meeting different characters it's just like nope this is the path i'm following and then part of that too is that like you really do feel like 
you're Alex in these scenes talking to these characters and like pushing through. And part of that is probably just due to the fact that Valve is so committed to making you feel like you're in her shoes. And also like the, the attention to detail, which is something I do want to talk about. And I know something you've brought up multiple times, Rob, but like the attention to detail in this game is, is crazy. It's Um, yeah. No, it's, do you want to expand on that? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think that's what's another level of, uh, the word I would say is meticulous where you kind of just get bewildered where it scares you to some degree of how much thought goes into every step you take. Um, and the word I was looking for was exposition <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and I feel like I say it so much. I'm sorry. It's been a while, but it's exposition. It is seamless. It is not drawn out. It's not this moment in like Iron Man VR where it's like, Hey, we're going to s- explain to you the next mission in five minutes. And you're just standing there. Like that's what's here's how Iron Man became Iron Man. <laughs> Pretty much. That's the frustration that uh, I think other games uh, can can struggle with. This game is it's just all one to one. There is just a, a layering of every aspect of game design that never seems like it's pausing for any one of them. It's always symbiotic. But to the meticulous nature of this game, yeah, I the the two examples I will give. And I don't want to spoil it because it came up in deliberations and I did kind of spoil it for some people. And we'll I was save that moment for after spoilers because I do want to talk about that. I okay. want you to talk about it because I think it's okay. really good. So I'll I'll but I will but I will not spoil it because I thought of a good analogy, which was this game, especially when you're standing up and and I know some people can't and and have motion uh motion sickness issues or you know, you have whatever access accessibility uh um issue of your own uh but the one thing it was standing up playing this game was so fucking amazing where the analogy i will give is when i first started off as a video producer uh, i sat next to jerry sat next to jeremy jane uh who um this was like my first year who now works you know with danny o'dwyer on no clip and if they ever happen to listen to this, he still owes me a beer because this is what happened out of it was he, he had a laptop next to him and he was plugged into a bunch of stuff cause he was capturing, um, and had a bunch of like hard drives, et cetera, et cetera. And I was sitting at my own desk working on my laptop and he goes to get up out of the seat and he pulls on his maybe capture kit, whatever it was. He starts to pull down his entire laptop setup. I am sitting at the corner of my desk. <laughs> the peripheral of of my vision. I'm full on editing. I see this laptop sliding off. I catch this laptop before it hits the ground and shatters. Like it, this this laptop was about to explode. I caught it before it happened. Jeremy looks and he goes, "Holy shit." And I looked like such a badass. I was going to say, you're just flexing right now. Dude, I am flexing, but this is where I'm getting at. Where Tom, and then also Tom McShay, who was in the pit, this was on the third floor. Tom McShay also saw, and he goes, wow, that was cool as shit. These two guys <laughs> saw me catch this laptop, and everyone was like, holy shit. And I felt like a superhero. For that one moment in time, my <laughs> reflexes like saved the day. That's what this game can do in moments that I've never had in any other video game or experience in my entire life where you are catching stuff and you are feeling so 
so very much like as if I should go back in time and 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 take baseball lessons again. <laughs> <laughs> like I felt so athletic. It was oh, cool. okay. And this game has those moments where you just go, holy shit, I did that. And it was all on me. I saved the day. And it, it was the tangible nature of it. So that's that's the that's the setup or preface to maybe spoilers later on. But yeah. yeah, the other thing about the meticulous nature is there were some moments in this game where I straight up just felt like I broke it. I broke the scripting. There was a moment, and we'll call it the Jeff scene, where uh, I won't spoil it, but like something happens in the game, and I go, oh my God, this isn't supposed to be happening. Oh my God, <laughs> did I break this game? Should I pause and reset? Fuck no, dude. They thought of every instance and move of, and again, scripting and timing of, of when you trigger a moment. Like, you just don't think of these things happening, or they should be happening, but they are. And the game is so well designed and masked, masked in the sense of, like, again, these, these scripts and triggering of moments that make you feel panic induced. And that's that Jeff scene that is, is just mm-hmm. completely famous for it. Uh, that's all I will say about that. Yeah. Well, well, so speaking of Jeff, why don't we move on to spoilers and we can talk about some of our favorite moments because we're about we're about forty five minutes in now. I think it's safe to move on to spoilers. Rob, do you just want to pick off and uh, pick up from there and talk about that particular moment that you were talking about, and we can talk about Jeff as a whole because I think it's safe to say that. It, out of all the amazing moments in this game, Jeff for me stands out quite a bit, at least in terms of game design. Maybe story-wise, there's some stuff yeah. we'll talk about at the very end. But yeah, why don't we start with Jeff in that moment? Yeah, uh, I guess apologies, because that's the that's the break. I'll just say it. Like the, <laughs> the the moment where I was the most blown away by this game was during the Jeff scene where you're in that bottle factory and Jeff which is brilliant, by the way. Just a, a bottle factory. You're in a bottle factory in a VR game with a vil- with an enemy that tracks you by sound. <laughs> right. Yep. So, so you, yeah. It's it's, and it's crazy. It's a brilliant setup. It's a brilliant set, but it's also something that, like, when I was first playing and I knew what was happening, which is that cat and mouse, which has been done before. Like one of my recent uh, memories where I didn't think it 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 excelled was um, uh, the Observer. If, if anyone f- played that game, that game, a lot of games yeah. kind of dive into that cat and mouse where it gets kind of tropey. Like I would even say um, Outlast goes through those moments where I, I'm not a huge fan of it is what I'm trying to say. So when this game introduced it, I remember being like, fuck, I'm on such a ride. I love this. And here we go. It's one of these moments. However, it works. It works so damn well. And the moment that I was trying to avoid explaining in this game is it's a, it's a bottle factory. This, this, you cannot kill this thing. It's going to hunt you down based on sound. So you have to cover your mouth as Michael was saying in, in the um, deliberations or the video before. Uh-huh. Anyways, you, uh, you come to this moment where it's like, you know, you're also still opening up uh, cupboards and stuff. And so I open up a cupboard and a bottle immediately is rolling out and falls within like a split second and i go down to catch it before it hits the ground and if i didn't it would explode and trigger this monster in this secluded corner <laughs> like he would have killed me because he just walked by if i didn't catch that i would have been dead and would have had to go back to a safe but i caught it 
I caught it before it fell down. And you just have this moment where you go, motherfucker, dude, that developer, cheeky, goddamn brilliant person put it there in a position where I opened it and I would have to panic and 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 catch it. Um, and yeah, it's it's just brilliant uh, every step of the way. And I'm talking a lot. You guys go. <laughs> uh, Michael, is there a moment in particular that stands out to you? Spoilers and all. Okay. Well, there's a lot. Uh, I think for for purposes of explaining just how just how good the gameplay design is, um, like like that whole Jeff um, that chapter w- with Jeff is like. It, it's kind of like all of the pieces putting are put together in that sense because you have to figure out puzzles while you're worried about this thing roaming around, whether or not you're making too much noise or whatever. And throughout that chapter, you have to you ha- kind of have to lock him in certain sections so he doesn't get to you. But figuring out, okay, when I close this door, this is how I put a lever into the door so then he can't escape. And Figuring out how that works is was was wild, and then you realize like, oh shit, he busted out of that. So then he's he's on he's lurking out for me again, uh, and then figuring out the second time like, okay, I need to lock him in there. And there was there, it's it's such a it's such a f- like to figure it out and to execute it is such a free flowing nature because there's like no one specific way to lure him into that area i actually i forgot what it was but someone had mentioned to me that they they found a different solution uh to get past jeff but i was like oh i thought this was like the only way to do it um but to get to that point is like you feel like a genius like once you figured out like damn i saw like i was like you know those gifts where like people got like math equations around floating around their head that's exactly what it was like to play that chapter and then when you finished it it was like damn i really really figured that out i think another standout moment for me gameplay wise was Towards the end, like you're introduced to ant lions and you have to kill them in a certain way. So they're not just combine soldiers that you load up with bullets and try and get headshots or whatever. You have to like target specific pieces of the ant- body parts of an ant lion. And that could be very hard in VR. But I had um, my pistol and I think my submachine gun had a laser pointer. So that made things a lot easier. But this is this is what I talk about when... Uh, or this is what we talk about when the game is like eventually like slowly teaching you the different things. So you encounter antlions and you learn how to take them out. You already know how to take out combine and you already know how to do puzzles. So then there's com- there comes a point in the game where there's a like a big combat arena where antlions are coming after you and then there's combine on towers. But to actually get get like to the next stage of the game or whatever, um, there's like a door all the way at the farther end. But to open that door, you have to like move your multi-tool to see the puzzle pieces to it. So then in that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fend off. Like first I got to take care of the combine while the antlions are chasing me. Then I need to take care of the antlions by myself enough time to figure out this puzzle. And I'm constantly like looking back, physically looking back to be like, uh, shit, 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 shit. Are they going to get me? Oh, oh, all right. Um, that was just a really cool sequence that where I, that's when I, I, one of the moments I realized like, I see all of these pieces coming together and I'm not able to do that unless the game teaches me how to do that or gives me adequate time to engage with those mechanics. So when they show up, I'm not surprised or thrown off by anything. Uh, So that was, that was just a super cool moment where I feel like everything came together. And I think towards the end also, when you're like barreling down to actually get into the vault, there was another moment where, where the strider is coming after you or it's lurking about. And the very moment before you go into that vault floating in the sky, you have to take control of a um, of a turret 
And I don't think you ever really do that much in the game up uh, before that point. But I already knew what to do with the turret. It's like, okay, I grab it. I got to pull this thing back. And this is how I aim it. I don't, I don't know how I, I just knew. I just knew what I had to do. And it was such an intense moment because you're only given a certain amount of time before the Strider destroys you. And I was, I feel like I, I did it on my first try, but I feel like I, was, I did it just in the nick of time before it destroyed me. Um, and then, yeah, that's, it's just such an intense buildup. And if we're going to talk about spoilers, man, once you make it to that vault where you start like pulling things from that, the, the, the Zen energy from the wall and you're just like fucking, it's like force lightning, bro. I'm just like combine soldiers are coming after me. Everything's on high alert. You just know that you're making it to the, like the wild conclusion. Still, I was just like, Whoa, what's happening? What's happening? I'm just like, boom, fucking zap, zap, <laughs> boom, zap, pull the energy from the wall. Oh, they got a grenade cone. Pull that, pull that with my gravity gloves, throw it back. And then boom, I hit him with this, this fucking force lightning. It was such a wild moment because you always feel vulnerable throughout the game until that point where I was like, y'all can't fuck with me. Y'all can't fuck with Alex Vance, bro. Nothing's going to touch me. It's something like, I feel like it was a good way to end or or a final section because Half-Life 2 did that. But it was just like a cool callback. But like, it just felt so wildly different being the one like pulling the power off the off the walls and throwing it at enemies it it was it was cool and i don't know if we're gonna talk about the ending uh explicitly we'll we'll wait on that i think we can talk about it explicitly but why don't we have everyone like kind of talk about moments first um i do want to add I do want to add to Jeff the the scene in the elevator with Jeff. Was, oh my god, that was it. Fuck that. <laughs> that was real quick because I know that's totally on your on. <laughs> you brought it up, but that's what I'm talking about. Where like I thought I broke the game when Jeff entered the inter- elevator. When he got in, <laughs> I I was in the corner. And I thought, oh shit, I I broke this game. This is I'm not supposed to be here. Take it away. That was it. Like, but, but yeah, just when when you get in there and you're covering your mouth and it's yeah. just you it is so terrifying like and that's another thing that could only be done in vr right like there's been horror games that have done something similar but that amount of tension is is like it no game can reach that tension without that equipment just in your oh my god it's terrifying yo so let me ask did any of you guys put the gas mask on during the jeff scene no Mm-mm. There is there is a gas mask. Like there's several gas masks all throughout the world in that game. Yeah. But if you pick it up and like put it towards your face, it'll attach to your face and it completely blocks your breathing from Jeff. What? And, I, and so I'm like so yeah. actually there's one specific puzzle during like the the big puzzle during that moment when you're trying to like open a door and also try to like prop the door open while also trying to get items in one of the drawers there was a mask there and I like because everything in this game, I just started putting it on my face just to see if something would happen. And I put it on like towards it and it like, stuck. And I was like, oh my God, like this is a thing. And then I started putting like cones on my head. And like, I didn't realize how much stuff you could wear. And then I was talking to Rob. I was like, Rob, did you find the gas mask? He's like, no, I was covering my mouth. And I've heard everyone talk about cover their mouths. And I just, you could wear a gas mask during that whole scene. <laughs> I completely avoid it. <laughs> um, but but a- apart from that the whole Jeff sequence too. I I think just the act of playing this game was probably a highlight for me. Like I've said it before, but honestly, like reloading in this game was such a thrill because I like not just getting into a firefight, aiming my gun, running out of ammo, 
reloading and then having Alex be like three mags left or whatever, instead of like a counter on the screen that I'm looking at, I think eventually you can upgrade a counter on the gun, which is fine in world HUD elements. Cool. That's cool. I just don't like it when it appears on the screen, but anyway, like having her call that out, I thought was really cool. But then like you get in fights and I'm shooting and I accidentally hit a button and my mag ejects and I'm like, no, no, please. No. And then drop to the ground. I've told this story so many times, but like drop to the ground and like dig for it and put it back in. And like, just, that those moments are so cool. And then the ways you can interact with enemies and head crabs and stuff, like like picking up a chair and hitting a head crab out the window as it's jumping at you <laughs> is, 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 is yeah. such a unique feeling. Yeah, that, anyway, that's the thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say that's the thing about Half-Life is that it's a physics playground. Ever since Half-Life 2, it's like, yeah, we're yeah. a physics playground. And if you can figure out how to manipulate the physics in a clever way, the game will let you find a way and succeed using that. And this being VR with the gravity gloves, that is just such a, it's such an intuitive design. It just makes perfect sense the way the gravity gloves function and the shit that you can do with it. It's, yeah, it's such, a, first, such a creative design. The, the first time when you actually get the gravity gloves and a gun and you're like allowed that space to just pull items towards you. I remember pulling like a bottle towards me and tossing it square, like right in the air above my head and like pointing the gun up and shooting it and like seeing it bounce off the bullets. It was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I am the greatest gunsman <laughs> on the face of this earth, just shooting plastic bottles. I'm amazing. And then on top of that too, it's like your, your, every bullet genuinely counts. Like you don't, you're like, if you eject a clip with ammo in it, you lose it. Like that's it. And I like, that's yeah. also one of the cool things during gunfights where it's like, you have to decide, like I have one bullet left do I try and shoot somebody with this or do I lose it and go with the next clip? And I love that. I love that way of like making me rethink how I'm actually genuinely in a gunfight. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Dude. Uh, just one thing about reloading, flicking the, the shotgun, like once you like pull it open, put it in the shells and then just like flick it back with, with your, uh, whatever hand you're holding it with to, uh, to engage the shells that you just loaded. That shit mm-hmm. never got old. Yeah. That shit felt so cool, man. Goddamn. Kurt, do you have a favorite moment you want to talk oh, about before I don't, we move on? Yeah, I don't want to regurgitate too much uh, and keep it, but I was just going to say, like, just in general, I think the last, I know, like, we're about to get into the ending, but uh, the last, basically from, like, Michael mentioned it earlier, the Strider, that whole sequence, I think is, like, the moment to me when every single element of that game like interlocks and is pushing you forward because you're having to scale. This is also very classic valve philosophy where you start on the bottom and you have to physically work your way up to the top. And like with that scene, you start on the bottom and you see the strider there. You think it's dead. You're sure like, you know, you're sure it's alive, but you think it's dead. And the moment that thing comes alive and you find yourself working your way up around a building, throwing furniture out of the way to get through it, fighting head crabs while also in the middle of gunfights with combine and then intersecting through halls while like the music is so intense and the strider is blasting through everything until you get to that turret. And again, like Michael, it's just so instinctual and it's the most satisfying thing in the world. Just like cocking these giant bullets back and forth. It's amazing. So yeah, I, honestly, that's it. Like just that that whole section. And then of course you go into that, like that interlude part, right? Where like everything is just floating in midair. That, and, like, yeah. and like from that moment on, and then you go in, you have like, it, yeah. So I, that basically just like the whole last two hours of that game is for me is like when everything interlocks perfectly. And like, to me, 
the entire game was like a tutorial for all for the that entire moment for like just dealing with every single enemy type while also outrunning a strider while also just dealing with insane storytelling and physics yeah boy that <laughs> that interlude part you're talking about where it's like inception meets annihilation like the ending yeah. of annihilation you know what i'm talking about where it's like something so surreal and scary where like we're talking about being vulnerable i that was where i felt the most vulnerable where i was so scared of what was happening where like everything is just turned on its head you know it and it's it's not like we've seen it or we haven't seen it before with like inception where it's like yo oh shit the stairs are above me or whatever it is but to experience it's holding on itself yeah but like to experience it like that in such a terrifying way where it's like the audio is shifting in line with silverware bouncing around the walls like everything gets sucked through that door it reminded me of yeah yeah control yeah definitely control i i i kept thinking about annihilation the first time i saw annihilation that end where you are where she confronts that that sentient being where it's just nothing makes sense and it's just the audio is all in line with how scary it is that's that's dude the silverware i remember you know and it's that's the thing is like it's interactive it's vr you're grabbing like a piece of silverware and touching it in air yeah and then it and then it sucks out that fucking door it's just something else i remember being scared and that was you know we're talking about the ending and kurt and jake played it before me we were talking about it and like that was where i was getting teary-eyed was that moment where i was like i feel like (laughs) i'm experiencing something so above me i don't know but dude that's like i know exactly what you mean but that's what I was trying to actually talk about in deliberations at one point. It's like, I was trying to say, it's like, I didn't get, I wasn't getting emotional. Like it wasn't, it's like nothing. Like, it wasn't so much that something specific like made me feel sad or excited or happy. It was like the last hour of that game. And then the ending is like this overwhelming, just th- things are happening. And like, I it's almost like I wasn't processing it properly. And like the only way I was, was like, by the time the credits was rolling, like I was shaking. Like I could just like uncontrollably, I was like, I feel weird. I don't know how to yeah. describe this feeling. I feel weird. <laughs> well, speaking of that, we should probably move on to the ending. So if, if you've listened this far, you didn't care about spoilers before. Now we're really getting into spoilers. Uh, this game pretty much ends by putting you in the shoes of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and- Gordon Freeman's shoes. You've got the you've got the crowbar. You hear the suit, and then it shows up to that ending of Half Life Two Part Two. Michael and Kurt, you guys have are, are very into Half Life. I know Kurt. Yeah. You said it's one of your favorite franchises of all time. Like, what did that ending mean to you guys? Because that's something that I didn't quite get to experience to its fullest because I didn't play Half Life until yeah. this year. Uh, Michael, take it because yeah, I have sure. like. I got, I got my own things. So you can okay. go for it. Man, I don't know where to start with it because, uh, like I said, throughout the experience, was like, okay, well, what, what is this leading to? What, 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 what is this fault? Because um, they never, exp- that's like the one thing that, that that's never explained to you. It's just like, just trust me, it's the thing that you need to get to. Just get to it. Um, so, it, I, I think this is also what do I what I allude to when I say that the ending only makes it's only makes its impact in VR because to get to that point to get to the point where you're back in Half Life Two Episode Two you you are Alex Vance and you have to so G Man comes up to you and says 
you can change the fate of your father. Like this is what because like Half Life Alex takes place before Episode Two, before all this shit. So essentially, yeah, yeah, as Alex Vance, you peer into the future. And then as her, Alex Vance is just like overwhelmed by like, what the fuck? Like my dad dies or some shit. And then G-Man is like, hey, but you can save him. Don't you want that? Huh? I can give you that power. And then of course, as Alex Vance, like, of course you're going to say, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to save my dad from this, 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 this fate. This, he's going to die. Of course I'm going to do something. So you get the power in your hands to kill the the Zen creature. I forgot what it was. It's like that, the flying creature that, yeah. that kills him in half light episode two. And then with your hands, you, you do that, 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 that power, that electrifying power to kill that thing. And then you just like basically fuck up the timeline. And then basically happens that instead of Eli Vance dying, it's Alex that, that is in his place, essentially. Yeah. Of course, like Alex can't know that until it happens and it's just like this oh it like this moment you're like oh snap like i didn't you didn't realize the consequences these are full life consequences you know what i'm saying and then when it boots you back or and then it brings you up into the half-life 2 episode 2 timeline to where you are in that same facility you're in that same room and eli vance is still alive and you see g-man in the corner just chilling and then eli vance hands you a crowbar and you grab the crowbar. That's the other thing, too, is that you, the player in VR, grabs the crowbar with your hands. And that is an iconic moment because, like, obviously the crowbar since 1998, that's been the symbol of Half-Life. That's been Gordon Freeman's go-to weapon. And just to grab it with their own hands is just like this, this empowering feeling that I just can't explain. And then, the, like, it, in that moment, you're kind of like, oh, shit. Like, from this point forward, like... I, I, you play as Gordon Freeman in this game. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I am, I am in his suit. I have these are his hands because that's the thing too. Is like when you first are brought into that facility, into that moment, you kind of don't know what's happening until you look at your hands. And you look at your hands, and you're wearing Gordon's gloves. And yeah, it's not until a little bit after where Eli pulls up to you and says, "Hey, Gordon, here's your fucking crowbar, dog." And then I'm, just, I'm like, "Yo, I." I it's like this overwhelming sense of uh, like what is happening. I, I I think I understand what's happening, but I can't fully process the implications. Um, it, it's it's like uh, it's just the, that whole wave of like Alex affecting the timeline uh, and not realizing what she had done or what she was doing, and then booting you back to the current timeline as Gordon. It's just like what the fuck, and that all happens in like a twenty minute sequence. Yeah. You get that. You get that first ending credits roll, and then you become uh, Gordon in that final final scene. And I was like, "Oh snap! I I don't know how I feel about this." Uh, and that's just such a that's kind of what brings Half Life Alex into the broader Half Life lore. And I think that was very important for this game to pull off um, to not just be a side story. That this is like this feeds into where Half Life has been and where it goes in the future. G Man is in the room. Is yeah. in, in yeah, is the, the post credit scene. Yeah, if you look to the left, he's watching the whole thing. I, I don't. I missed that. I missed oh, that. I was like, I yeah, when, when I, dog when dog is shows up and heart. Eli yeah. is there and G man mm-hmm. to the left. G man's over to the left and he's standing on a railing, just watching the whole thing. 
during the whole ah, scene, classic half like that. Of course he is. Like, yeah, where you're just, you're able to look around the room and see just things. Dog in VR, that was so cool too. Yeah, so. dog in that VR. Was, that, was, see, that was actually the breaking point too for me. Like, I was like, I wrote this up saying like, the, the way I described that whole ending that lasts like 20, 25 minutes is like, you're going, like, you're going, you're, you're on this whole journey as Alex. You get to the vault this entire time you think you're getting Gordon Freeman this entire time. That's what you think you're who you're rescuing. So when you finally see G man and that whole scenario happens, I basically explained it like, it's like having a rug torn from underneath your feet and then like the credits roll and that's the hand being like, get up, you're okay. And then the post credit scene happens when the sucker punches you right back down. And for me, like I, like I played half-life in 1998 when it came out and like I had that experience then. And then I played half-life two in 2004 all the way to the end, had that experience. And then episode two in 2007, and each one of those games always ends with like a punch to the throat. Like every single time, you have no idea what's going to happen in the future for the franchise. And for me, as somebody who's like been with this as as long as it's existed, uh, up until this point, having them take back, you know, come back 13 years, deliver seemingly what felt like impossible but then somehow tied it in a way that is like, it's hard to explain how good it is. Like there's like, there's no other way that anybody could have taken this franchise and did what they did at the end to make it holistic and reinvent the entire series of what you think, what you perceive it as like from that moment, like you play through those first two games now and like I'm playing through them again. And it's just like, I'm, I know <laughs> that there's going to be something else that's going to be happening now, but it all makes sense because G-Man is like this like mythical multidimensional intergalactic, like spook <laughs> who just like, who interweaves through these things. And he's like, uh, he's like a, a uh, like, I don't know. It's amazing. That's G stands for God. He's, he's like, the de- <laughs> no, he, like, he's like the God. devil, right? Yeah. He's the devil in the sense that like, that's what he did without sharp dressed he, man. He, he just he gave her he gave her an option but at the cost of her own you know what i mean like um time to choose i'm not like fuck man i fucking hate this dude don't trust (laughs) don't trust g-man that's that's that was was the thing too is during that whole scene when she was like you can save when he was like you can save your dad i was trying i was standing still being like i'm not gonna do it because like as a player i was like i know what's gonna happen so Mm -hmm. i was like i'm not gonna do it I'm not going to do it. And I was like, you could tell the game was like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And I was like, I don't have a choice. So I did you it. Gotta, you have, you physically have to do it you have to do it. Um, but it was during that whole moment where I was like, I couldn't explain my emotions, but with a moment like Gordon Freeman comes on back on and like dog jumps on the car and Eli's like, where's Alex? Where's Alex? Gordon, here's the crowbar. It was like during that whole moment that I was like, I'm, breaking down like i'm not like i can't handle this like i took the headset off that thing was soaked like i was like all sorts of messed up i was like i had to sit down for like 20 minutes being like what does this mean what does it all mean like half-life three it's but it's gonna be and i was just like i was a disaster i was a complete mess (laughs) so going off that then the million dollar question here where does half-life go next (sighs) see you in 20 years yeah, do you, what's your best guess, Rob? I think I think it's tough because now we have that's what's such a question, right? Is now that we have this new timeline, 
for for those who want Half Life Three, how how do you not make another VR game? Is my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super curious about the business side of this game, which is something we didn't really touch on. But like, this is a game that only Valve could make. Only Valve could throw this much money at a VR game to sell a VR unit that they are trying to sell, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know how this game could exist any other way. And I think March, this game sold around 600,000 copies, which is really good for a VR game. But like, I, I like, and, I, and I'm pretty sure Valve is like happy with the results, but like, you have to imagine a Half-Life 3 would be far more expensive and, like I like I I honestly don't know. I I really hope we get a VR Half-Life 3 game <laughs> at least in a decade <laughs> before that maybe. But like yeah, this has to be this has to be so interesting. Like I mean Valve's got a lot of money. They got all those Steam dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they all do whatever they want however they want. And yeah. if they, like if they I feel like if they don't want to make a third game, you know, based off of maybe sales expectations or not being able to make it in the format or medium they want, I think they will wait until they can make it the way they want. And that's what I was saying is like, it's see you in 20 years, maybe. I mean, I have, I have, I personally have hopes that I think give it five years, especially with Oculus, how well Oculus Quest is, two is doing and the ability that so many people like you, Jake and Rob are able to, you know, get this $300 essential you know essentially video game console and and use it also as a means to play games like like half-life alex i think is really 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 telling of 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 its accessibility going forward and if there's any company that's going to throw in everything it has to push the medium very harshly in a direction i think it's valve and i don't know i i i have a feeling that the next one is going to be a vr game um, it yeah, just, it probably won't be another five to seven years. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I don't think there's any way they could do a mouse and keyboard shooter after this. Yeah, they set yeah. they set that bar themselves, so <laughs> they got to climb that hill. <laughs> they made I that mean, bad. So they better sleep in it. <laughs> yeah, I think like if anything, like Half Life Alice kind of like sows the seeds for people to one realize the potential of VR, and then two buy into VR. It's like, okay, you Half-Life diehards are going to find a way to play this. And then they're going to do, go do that. Then the Half-Life diehards are going to be like, yo, y'all need to experience this for what it is. Sowing the seeds for other people to get on board. And then as long as you give, like, I, I assume that like once you give it time, naturally there'll be more adopters of VR. Or at least VRs would be financially more accessible uh, moving forward. At least that's the hope, right? Um, cause there are multiple ways to play this. Like y'all said, like some people are playing with Oculus Quest and that has inside out tracking. So that kind of takes care of like having to set up sensors. Cause that is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. It was the biggest uh, hurdle for me. Yeah. And like, that's, um, that lowers the barrier for people like, okay, well, I'm just, I just want to sit down and experience this and I don't have the room to put sensors. I barely had room to put up sensors for my experience, but if you can get inside out tracking headsets, in more hands that makes it way easier uh, for people to get to 
and actually experience. And then, like y'all said, like if there if there is a Half Life three being developed, we are not going to see that shit for another at least five years, bro. And who yeah. knows what happen in five years? That that would be we're, we would be on the brink of another console generation by that time. So, um, like I, I think Half Life Alex says to me, especially with that ending, is that Half Life cannot exist outside of VR anymore. At least that that's that's what I think. Uh, because that, that moment is so powerful where you are Gordon and you do grab the crowbar and it's like, okay, well then if you're going to move forward from here, you can't, you can't yank us out of that, that moment, out of that experience. At least I think, I don't think, I don't think Half-Life would be, or I don't think Valve would be the one to go back on what they had already established. That's, that's the thing too. It's like, they don't, they, they ain't going to look back. Uh, they're kind of going to do what they want to do regardless of reception. And the reception has been extremely well. Half-Life Alex is obviously our game of the year. It is one of the highest reviewed games of 2020. And people went and got headsets to play this game. People who had headsets played this game because it is the VR killer app. So I think the future is bright, but it's going to be years <laughs> until like see that light, I well, suppose. Then, uh, so, yeah. so then the other question, I guess, would be, like it what if valve starts working on half-life 3 and they're just like we're not really revolutionizing this anyway there's nothing like really cool we're doing i like i fear that they'll just be like you know what we're gonna call it there and we're gonna wait 30 years for the next big or 15 years for the next big (laughs) i don't know like that you insert in your brain that puts you there and they're like that's gonna be half-life yeah, as a half-life fan as like a lifelong half-life fan get used to it <laughs> yeah i don't want to get used to it but here we go half-life alex episode one half-life alex episode two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. yeah there can't be a three huh yeah, yeah i think i think this is it like i um you said this michael in your write-up for when we announced game of the year it was something along the lines like if there's anyone who is going to be able to show VR like show what VR could be it's valve. And if there's any game to demonstrate that it's half-life and there's, there was nothing like, there's nothing else that could have done that. Like, and that's kind of how I see it. And I kind of feel like, um, I can't see any other company that would, I, I was somebody who was a skeptic on VR until I played this game. Like I was, I was very, very like watched it from a distance and I was like, it'll eventually find its way into my, onto my head. I know, but like in the meantime, I just, it was a fleeting gimmick, but this game, I was like, Oh, now I'm all in and ruined forever. I do hope that with you saying that, I think the last thing I'll say is that with the bar, the bar being set high for this, I think that if if folks are to or if developers are to jump into VR and try and make a, a full experience at this point, because there companies like Insomniac have been have been doing this for a while. They've been putting out VR games for a while, uh, eventually like building up to something like uh, I think Stormland VR, where okay, now let's put it all to try and put it all together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know Half Life has the name to carry that uh, all the way through, uh, but I think I hope that developers look at Half Life Alex and. Like think about how how games how VR games can uh, transcend the the VR tropes uh, in that same way to where it no longer feels like you're playing a VR game instead you are playing a game. Um, so and then also the bar for accessibility, like to design a game that's that accounts for several uh, different ways you can play it because being compatible across different headsets is very important. 
so you can get the cheapest VR headset and play the game. You can get you can get a you can get the most expensive one, obviously get the better experience, but you're not going to miss out on the core experience. Even if you're sitting down, even if you can only use one controller, uh, I think that that's that's a lot to ask, and that's a lot of resources. Um, but if, if VR were to be not necessarily mainstream, but like a lot more, there will be a lot more uh, adoption of it. I think that this sets the bar for quality and accessibility in many ways. Uh, and I hope that the like developers carry this can carry that legacy on, I guess, if Half-Life 3 were to exist in VR, I guess, like think way ahead of ourselves. But there needs to be things that carry the VR platform in the meantime for as long as yeah. that might be. Uh, because you can't have like one game every five years, one game every like, I don't know, six years to like sell you on the platform. So um, the bar is set high and I hope that more games try and at least aim for that because that's if you can at least uh, aim for that, like you'd be in a good place, I guess. Totally. So we've been going a bit longer. We did kind of start talking about VR and whatnot, which uh, was fun to do. But before we end this, do you guys have any closing remarks, maybe things that we didn't get to? that you want to bring up rob i see you nodding uh i'm i'm nodding in the hope of um this game inspiring and creating um more vr titles i like it um i think it's 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 set the, i know it's stupid to say but i just think it's set the bar so high that i think there's a lot of influence to be had um from other uh vr games moving forward the one thing that I brought up and I want to actually look more into it is like there are um, uh, like to lightly put mods for this game. There mm-hmm. are like there was like a Resident Evil one I downloaded and it was like oh. the one thing I didn't like. Here's the thing is it's it's the same model. It's the same texture. It, it's It's basic bare bones like make your own map but someone was trying to recreate and make their own like resin evil alike. So what I'm getting at is, as we all know, the influence and the outcome of like, you know, uh, uh, Gary, uh, Gary <laughs> mods, yeah. and Gary mods. Yeah. All that stuff. Here's to like hoping that's going to have an impact. I think there's already some, some, um, some potentials there. I, I mean, I, I casually remember seeing, like someone tried to re- or basically remade like PT in this game. Um, like there's, there's some potential here. So I hope um, that we get to see it. Um, maybe that's the, uh, the intermediate uh, uh, gap that gets filled before the next half-life. <laughs> yeah. They released, I forget what their engines called, but they did release the new version of it. I think around launch, which is something that, you know, valve always tries to do and i'm super curious to see what people create yeah michael kurt any anything you want to add before we wrap this thing up uh i just want to say that i'm a believer that's it i'm a vr believer now and i think uh like i just hope that bigger other big franchises take note like i want to see like dishonored and bioshock and vr like those are the two that came to mind i was like okay now like i know you know dishonored's in a funky place but like if we can get like a, a Bioshock in the same way this one is. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, like I yeah. just want to see those franchises that I think would work really well, take note and take the risk. Um, Dude, that's what I'm saying. I think someone did a recreation of Bioshock already in Alan. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that 
uh, I really liked about Half-Life Alex was just how they the marketing and how they how they announced this game and how it was just like what three months before the game came out they were like yep Half-Life Alex we're, we're making a new Half-Life game the game's done we're just like bug squashing this thing and making sure it runs super well on on all platforms and whatnot like we need more of that like I know that's not really VR specific but oh I agree. But yeah. The, the Todd Howard strategy of waiting till the very last minute to announce a game is, uh, <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was, you know, that, that is, there's something to say about the mysterious side of pitching your game to people. Like, uh, I think, uh, I mean, very few franchises can carry that weight, obviously. Um, really? but I mean, I am kind of, I want to be surprised. Like I'm tired of like having expectations set so high and then, like even if they're great games, still not like it's okay. Well, it didn't like fucking change my life or whatever. Not that I expect any game to change my life, but it's just it's just such a refresh. It was a refreshing experience to go into and a refreshing experience itself. Um, the one thing, I, last thing I'll say is that as much as like Kurt and I are Half Life fans, and as um as like revolutionary as your first VR experience might be, like this wasn't my first VR experience, but this was probably the this. 1000% was the best VR experience is that it's such a like it's such a great game on its own merits like when we go into deliberations we account for things like innovation how much fun we had uh like the different things that it, that it does and how it can impact what we think games can be we account for all those things and uh as much as we gush about what it does for the franchise what it does for VR and just those eureka moments so many of them throughout the game it's just that Half-Life Alex is a tremendous game on its own merits straight up. Uh and I you know I was I was I was saying my piece about Final Fantasy 7 remake uh and various other games but when we came to the conclusion that Half-Life Alex was going to be our game of the year I was kind of like I was a little shocked uh just because of like the like oh this this kind of came out of nowhere I guess uh just cuz I I didn't expect it. But when it kind of settled in, I was like, fucking hell yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this game is like, it, it's been a long time since I played it. But in the discussions, like being reminded of how impactful it was, how great this game was uh, or is, and just how smartly designed it was, I was just like, fucking hell yeah, man. Half-Life Alex is game of the year material. It is going to be talked about as games of the generation uh, just because of its impact and how just incredible this experience is so uh i'm just i'm really excited that i'm really excited by the decision and uh yeah i i think this is you know this, this fucking dope man <laughs> <Shut down. laughs> well we should probably wrap it up we've been going for about an hour and a half which is about yeah 45 minutes longer than i expected but it's all good we we got going i really wanted to make sure everyone says their piece about this game because it is really special. And I think there's a lot to talk about. And honestly, I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface. Yeah. We haven't uh, even talked about like Russell or the, like just the writing, like we haven't, but you know, yeah. oh, we'll save <laughs> yeah. all of that. For... But anyway, Michael, where can people find you? You could find me and all of my bullshit on Twitter at Michael P. Hyam uh, and uh, GameSpot.com because so many great people are putting out great work on GameSpot.com. Even out through, throughout the break, you're going to see some good content being put up by all my colleagues. So be sure to check that stuff out. And yeah, peace. Rob, anything you want to plug before we wrap up? 
Uh, yeah, you can find me at California Street uh, 2846. Uh, zip code. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's all, that's all fake. Uh, you can find me at Robert Handlery at Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah, just put that in their search bar and it'll come up. <laughs> and if you want a much more concise version of this discussion that Rob cut, there's also the game of the year video, which you should definitely check out. Sorry, I stole your thunder there, but no. I wanted to make Actually, no, the one thing I will plug uh, real quick is how cool it was to, uh, as I was capturing this game again for VR, like the uh, the developers put like a whole forum explaining how, oh, like we found these are the best settings to, to like capture this game. Because if you look it never looks great, no matter what. VR mm-hmm. gameplay is disgusting to look at. However, <laughs> however, it's 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 portrayed. But they like showed a lot of cool settings, like regarding like um how to slow down head movement to make it less jerky, and that was really fucking cool to uh, unravel. So um, I just want to plug this game for being able to provide cool, cool ways of capturing that's my plug i guess <laughs> <laughs> sorry kurt take it away that's a weird thing though that like video producers think about a lot like oh man i can turn off all the hud elements sick all right yeah <laughs> all right kurt how about you you if your heart does so desire you can find me at at kurt underscore indovina you can find me on all the websites and um i hope you're doing really well i hope you're staying safe and healthy and uh enjoying what you enjoy the best you can that's it you can find me at jacob deck and make sure to tune in again next week on january 1st we've already recorded this episode of the podcast but it's basically the after dark awards all of it's all of it's just a joke nothing's (laughs) official but we went, we had a bunch of awesome categories that we went through with uh, Ben Jenka uh, and John Luke Cali. So it's it's very good. Um, but that's all I got. Other than that, vacation, baby. Hey. Yeah, Happy holidays, y'all. See you next week. Yeah, see ya. Peace. Bye.